You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. So let's just uh, get ourselves ready to get into God's Word. If you have your, your Bibles and you would like to follow along with me, and I would love to invite you to do that. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles on the rack in the back. I'm going to be reading uh, out of the English Standard Version. Uh, and that's what will go up on the screen that you will look at, and that is the translation that is in the back, all right? And if you don't have a Bible and you would like to have one to keep, uh, we have some out in the main room, and they're on a shelf out there, and it is a great, great Bible. It's a, it's a paperback Bible that you can take with you, and you can have that as a gift from us uh, today, all right? Um, so let's just get into this. We're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be talking today... Uh, again about types and shadows, okay? And so we're going to go to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look there, and then I'll take you through some other scriptures as we go along here. So if you have your Bible and, and have it open to Romans to start with, that would be, that would be just great, okay? Uh, could we just pray for a moment as we get started here? Father, we so much love you and, and want only to please you. Um, we live in a world that challenges that desire, right and left, and, and we very much want to be obedient, we want to, to be diligent, loyal, purposeful, intentional in, in all that we do for you, so would you, would you help us today, would you strengthen us and encourage us through the reading of your word and, and through the preaching and the teaching aspects of, of this delivery today, would you, would you just help me as your servant today to serve well? Would you allow me to decrease in order that you might increase through me? Uh, we rely today on the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate this word of yours for us. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and settle among us in such a very powerful way that we receive what is necessary to be equipped, uh, that we may go out and proclaim this great gospel to those around us and beyond us, and uh, that we can do it uh, in such a very powerful and intentional way that lives are truly changed around the world. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise for your uh, great goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we left you at the road uh, to Emmaus with the two men last Sunday, and we talked about how that as uh, Jesus broke the bread and the revelation came to them that indeed he was the Christ, that he then uh, departed. He just disappeared from them and went on his way. And so I'd like to pick up this idea of types and shadows from, from there and uh, talk to you today about Adam and about Christ. And uh, I want to say this to you. Jesus' first priority, it would seem from the passage we read last week, his first priority after he physically rose from the dead uh, was it, that he would teach the scripture to the people, uh, especially those scriptures that are about him. That was the first thing he did. He found himself with these men on the road and he talked to them and, and uh, unfolded or unpacked the scriptures to them. Um, and, and just like men walking to Emmaus whom Jesus joined, you and I very, very much are spiritually blind until God opens our eyes. And oftentimes it is the teaching of God's word that does that. It opens our eyes. The Holy Spirit works and, and helps us to begin to see, if you will, all right? And so what we're trying to see uh, in this time frame that we're in now, we're, we're in the sort of the closing weeks of this uh, amazing series that we've been in for a year, all right? And uh, we, Pastor Dave and I told some other pastors at the first of, of the year that we were going to do a year-long series, and they literally laughed at us. Uh, they just said, 
that's crazy. How can, you, how can you spend a whole year in one series? And we said, it's very simple. It's just all about Jesus. And they were like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> well, it has been interesting, but it's also, I think, for, for many of us, has been, there's been aspects of it that have been very life-changing. And I've appreciated the testimonies of a number of you who have said that something that God did in your life was very dramatic and very intentional and very purposeful during this series, and that's great. So we're going to end this series over these next few weeks talking about the types and the shadows within the Scriptures, all right? And so we're going to see these various ways in which all of the Old Testament is connected to Jesus, all right? We're going to see this through events. We're going to see this through different kinds of titles, uh, prophecies, Christophanies, uh, types, services. All, all of these things are going to show us that this book that, that God wrote is all about Jesus, okay? Um, and so these are our final weeks going into to, to closing out this series, and this is what we're looking at. And so today we're going to look at Adam, if you will. So in this story of God, we're going to look at the first Adam, and we're going to look at the second Adam, all right? So I'd like to talk to you for a little bit about that. So let's go to Romans chapter 5. And uh, let's just read right there. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin at verse 12. And I I would like to take you through the last part of chapter 5 of Romans. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is a very, in a lot of ways, a very deep passage. It's a very exciting passage. It just, it holds so much. And we're going to use that as our springboard here for this idea of looking at at Adam and then looking at Jesus, seeing Adam as a type and, 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 and Jesus as, as the better, if you will, all right? Let me, let me share a story with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an analogy, a word picture, if I can here. And I, I, I'm not so sure it's the, the best one to use, but I'd, I'd like to use this because I, 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 w- I would like to sort of pull a message from, from this and, and make it very applicable to us as we close here today. Uh, but 
um, I was reading this story, and, and this is the account as, as, as one uh, pastor shared it with a, concerning a family in his church. He says, she stepped into the 2006 Mustang convertible. It was her first car, and today it was her birthday. The car was her gift from her loving parents. It was her dream car. It was the car her friends would envy for weeks. As she sat down in her leather bucket seats, she could smell the sweet new car scent. She put the keys into the ignition and turned. The power gave her goosebumps. Her parents told her to drive it off the lot. They would stay to complete the paperwork. She had her dream car. She had her parents paying for the bill, and she had everything she wanted on that day. As she drove down the road with the top down, feeling the cool wind in her hair, she knew this must have been a dream, but it was not. The first stop was to pick up her best friend. You should have seen the expression on her face when she stepped out of the house. Envy with a little, this is good for me to be seen in this car too, was on her face. The girls took off down the road. They were flying through the hills, they were zipping around the corners, and no one ever expected that next corner on this back road. And she just could not handle the power as she hit that large oak tree. Fortunately, the car had airbags and seat belts. The girls were not hurt, but the car was. It was completely destroyed. The girls just stood there silently as their parents rushed to the site. That beautiful brand new car was completely destroyed. It was totaled by the insurance company and the next week, she ended up driving an old, old Oldsmobile. I, I, I share that story with you to sort of help you to, to kind of feel a sense of disappointment. You know, it, you, you get built up and, and, and then all of a sudden it's like there's this train wreck in life and suddenly you see the, the, the devastation of that and you feel that. You feel that, that sense of loss. You feel that expectation sort of shattered. You, you, you feel that hope sort of just sucked out of you. And, and I think this happened the day that, that, that Adam and Eve fell in the garden. I, I think that there was such great expectation on the part of God even for Adam and Eve. I think there was such great expectation of Adam and Eve, if you will. And so I, I want to say to you today that, that there was something lost in the garden that we cannot get back the way it was, the way it was given. And so Adam and Eve are kind of like this, this car, if you will. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They were, they were wrecked that day in the garden. Adam and Eve was the never-touched car, you know, perfect in every way. God made this couple completely perfect. There was no bad background in their lives. There was never any foul language in their home. There were no selfish parents. There were no bad examples of friends along the way. Everything about this particular couple in the garden was perfect at the time. There was no hint of sin, if you will, in their hearts. The only thing that Adam had been given, if you will, was his free will, a very perfect free will. There was no curiosity about sin. There was no addiction to any particular kind of sin. There was no advertisement concerning sin. He just had this amazing free will, the best type of free will possible. He was the perfect moral free agent, if you will. But the reality is that he threw it away. Let me take you, turn with your Bibles if you want to, over to Genesis chapter 3. 
and uh, we can actually look at it to, together, if you, if you would like. Genesis chapter 3, and let's begin reading at verse 1. This is the account of how it all happened. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Such a sad story, isn't it? In this sin that we see here, Adam ruined the rest of humanity. He destroyed all that God intended for us. This, this one sin made all the difference in the world that we live in. He wrecked humanity, if you will. He, he wrecked the world. He wrecked you and me. And, and if you're looking to, to someone to, to, to blame for, for the problems in life, you sort of don't have to look any further than Adam and Satan. Adam's your man. God wanted to have this sort of perfect fellowship, if you will, with his creation, but Adam sinned. and God wanted man to be happy, to be fulfilled, but Adam sinned. Adam lost everything for us in this one action. Paul is mentioning this destruction in, in these passages in, in Romans. He says in, in verse 12, that, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, the death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So we suffer this choice that Adam made in the garden, and we, we are a part of this, if you, if you will. And, and, and so death reigned. And it, it reigned from Adam unto Moses, e even uh, over those who had not sinned uh, in the likeness of the offense of, of, of Adam. Uh, and the Bible says that, that, that Adam is a type of him who is to come or who was to come. So, so even though the law had not been given prior to Moses, that, that death and, and sin entered into mankind through Adam. And so all of us are sinful as a result of that. Paul is very clear in his understanding of this nature of sin, that it came from Adam, that Adam introduced it into the world. And now all of us, every one of us, is going to die because of Adam's choice. Now, Adam's sin wrecked humanity because Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden and he was not given access to the, the tree of life. We see that also in Genesis, if you go back to chapter 3, it also tells of that account of how that the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like, you know, like one of us, and now he knows good 
and evil. So, so now let's be careful lest he stretch out his hand, if you will, and take from the tree of life and, and live forever. God had to banish him. God had to send him out, if you will, from the garden. So this is a, this is a very familiar story for most of you, I think. But let's, let's just rehearse it a bit here this morning and understand uh, the, the beauty of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Adam is banished from this garden, and he must now cultivate the ground from which he was taken and, and created. So, so he drives the man out at the east of the, the Garden of Eden, stations the cherubim there and the flaming sword turning in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Death has entered in through sin, and now we all will die as a result of that. We never ate that tree or from that tree. We, we never sinned the way that Adam did in the garden, but we are not given access to the tree of life. Okay? We're, we're, we're going to die because of the sin of Adam, and Adam is also responsible for bringing that sin into this world that we are living in. So now we live in a world of sin. Um, there's sin all around us. It's, it's everywhere. And, and in essence, it comes from the, the transgression of Adam. There's, there's no way that we can live a life of righteousness and pure life because of the influence of sin all around us. We, we can't do that, folks. I'm not giving you freedom here and I'm not giving you excuse here. I'm just saying it's impossible for us to do that in our, our own strength or our own ability, all right? Because uh, sin is, is everywhere, all right? So, we, you know, we grow up with parents that are not always necessarily the best. You know, some of us have had selfish parents. We grow up around other kinds of sinful people. There's no way that this sin is not going to affect us. There's no one that, that can be righteous like Adam was, all right? He was the perfect free agent. He had the only true choice between good and evil, and he wrecked it for all of us. So now we live in this very sinful world because sin is everywhere all around us. I cannot escape from sin. You suffer because of sin. You hurt because of sin. We die uh, because of sin. Adam's sin has destroyed what God intended. He takes his very perfect life and he throws it away. And we suffer because of that. Um, I don't want you to be too hard on Adam, but I want you to understand that that is, that is the source. That's where it comes from. This sinful nature. You need to understand that. Right? Now, when we move over into 1 Corinthians and we begin to talk, we begin to realize that there is, there is this indication of these two Adams, if you will. There is this first Adam who wrecked it over here. But God has done something very amazing, all right? So, let's, let's, let me just rehearse a little bit more this first Adam, and then I want to take you to the second Adam, all right? Because I think there's an amazing contrast here in, in 1 Corinthians that we're going to see between the two Adams, all right? The first Adam created in the Garden of Eden, the second Adam born in Bethlehem. Every person in this room who's listening to me, uh, you are either in the family of the first or the second Adam today, all right? And, and here's what I want you to understand and what I want you to get to is that, that which family you are in will determine your eternal destiny. So for the next few minutes, let's consider these two and, and let's evaluate where we are. God asked of Adam. He called out to Adam in the garden and he said, Adam, where are you? 
Certainly God knew geographically, positionally, where he was. God is the ultimate GPS system. And um, so he knew exactly where Adam was, was physically at. But he's asking this question, Adam, where are you? And I think it's a much deeper than, than just wondering where he might be uh, in the garden. But it is to get Adam to think about what he has done and what has happened. And so what is his condition? And I think that the Holy Spirit can ask that of you and I today. And I think it's a very serious and very important question that we ask. Where are we with God? And, and which Adam are we identifying with here? Because that is going to determine our eternal destination. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's turn there and look for a moment. I want, to, I want to look at verses 45 through 49, if you will, here, and, and just pick up off of that for a moment, okay? Verse 45. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Hallelujah. This is, a, this is an amazing, amazing uh, newsflash, if you will, out of Corinthians here. You don't, you don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to stay in that old Adam. There is, there is an opportunity for you to, to move out of that place of wreckage. And that is through Jesus Christ, who we are going to declare today is the second Adam. Okay, So, for just a moment, the first Adam. First of all, created from the dust of the earth. He was the first man of the earth, made of dust, 1 Corinthians tells us. Also, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says the same thing. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. The creation of man is described in this passage as from dust. The verb translated formed uh, normally means to be forged from some kind of pre-existing material. So man uh, is made from the dust of the earth. The material from which Adam was forged is called, the word it uses is afar, uh, which refers very much to just common earth, common dirt, soil, if you will. He was taken from the soil of the earth that God had created. Um, so either God created man directly from the dust of the earth or he didn't. And we believe that he did because we believe that the word of God is accurate and true. It's interesting to note also that some of the NASA scientists have done some research at the Ames Research Center, and uh, they have confirmed that all of the elements in the human body can be found in the soil. Isn't that interesting? 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, The first man, Adam, became a living being. God created him from the earth, from the, from, from the dirt. All right? He was created, secondly, in the image of God. Don't you understand that? Created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. All right? So God not only created man and created him in the image of God, but he also gave him authority in the earth. All right? And if you turn over to Genesis chapter 5 and begin reading, it says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. All right? He created male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in, in the day that they were created. So we, we have this understanding, this basis, if you will, under us, that God created Adam and he created it in his own image. Adam was created sinless and perfect in the beginning. All right? Now, the next thing I want you to understand is that Adam chose to sin. Adam chose to sin. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband who was with her, and he ate it as well. The Bible opens with man being created in God's image. Sin shows up and messes that image up. All right? So disobedience to, to God. All right? And, and, and let me help you to understand this. Disobedience to God's word, not just disobedience to God in, in, in the situation of Adam, but disobedience to God's word always affects someone else. When, when you choose to sin, it is not just something that is affecting you, but in all likelihood, it is affecting others around you. It, it ripples out beyond you. All right, so, so there's, there's a greater effect than just you making a choice for yourself. You are not alone in your sin, if you will. And, and most tragically, it affects those we love the most. All right? Um, Eve's disobedience affected her husband. It affected her children, her grandchildren, uh, her great-grandchildren, and every descendant since then. And what's so devastating here is we see this word with. Adam was with Eve during this tempting dialogue with Satan. And he willfully took as well of the fruit. Very passively, he seems to be watching everything here. He sins willfully. His eyes are, are wide open, if you will. And I want you to understand that, that Adam chose to sin. He was not forced to sin. It, it was not something that he could not have prevented. He didn't have to do this. He chose to this. And so then, all of a sudden now, everything is upside down, if you will. Eve follows the snake. Adam follows Eve. No one follows God. And we have now a fallen world, world that we're living in. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 says that, that Adam wasn't deceived. Um, he, he obviously must have understood what he was doing, he, that he was going against God. He was being disobedient. He was choosing to do this. Um, here's the thing I want you to understand about Satan as we, as we look at this and learn a few things, and that is that Satan can't make temptation work unless he can convince us to buy into a deception, and that deception is that yielding won't hurt us. If you, if you begin to believe that yielding to sin won't hurt you, you're devastated. You're, you're headed towards destruction at that point. Alright? Now, with that, then, it translates to this, and that is that Adam is the carrier of death to the human race. Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, it talks 
about how that the Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden, he told him to tend it, he told him to keep it, and he said to him, you, uh, of every tree of the garden, you can eat here, all right? You can eat freely, all right? Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You, sh- you shall not eat from that tree, because if you eat from that tree, you will die, all right? You, you will die. So if, if Adam and Eve had retained their original state, if they, had, if, if they never would have died. If, if they had not sinned, if they had not been disobedient in sin and fallen in the garden, they, they would not have to experience death. And we would not have to experience death. We would be eternal in, in that sense, all right? But Adam and Eve yielded to the serpent's temptation and death came into the world, all right? Before that very beautiful, pristine state, they existed at a level that, that was far above the present condition of the human race, far above us. We have to deal with sin. We have to deal with sickness. We have to deal with, with death. We have to deal with all of these addictions and things that go on all around us, all right? But before this fall, before that moment, they were in this lovely state. And, and uh, it... it, it it would require something like, like trying to reconstruct the, uh, the, the, uh, the original version of an aircraft from a wreckage or that car like we talked about at the beginning uh, to try to make things right, all right? It, it, and, and, and it would be almost seemingly an impossible task for us because we wouldn't know how to do that, all right? The, the material uh, maybe would be the same, but we wouldn't know how to do that, all right? And so we have this... this situation that, that Adam couldn't go back and fix. He couldn't, he couldn't go back and, and, and rebuild the wreckage. He couldn't go back and, and take care of things. It was done. It, it, it's there. It, it's done. So Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as one, through one man sin entered into the world, death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die. All die. Let me tell you something. You've got a day. You've got a time. You've got a place. Your name's on it. You're going to keep that appointment. Every day, people die. Three every second. 180 people every minute keep that appointment. 11,000 people every hour in the world die. 260,000 people yesterday kept that appointment. They die. This year alone, at the end of this year, when we are done with this sermon series, 95 million people will have kept that appointment. You can't delay it. You can't stop it. You can't deny it. We are going to die. Well, that's pretty heavy and sad and down. Let's talk about the second Adam for a moment, if we can, okay? First of all, the second Adam is the source of creation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47, tells us that the first man was of the earth, he was made of the dust, but the second man is the Lord from heaven. And this is the good news that we have, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 says, Just as it is written, the man Adam became a living being, but the last Adam, it says, became a life-giving spirit. This is where the story turns. It gets better now, all right? It starts to get good, all right? In John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. And it goes on to say that all things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, 
and the life is the light of men. This is our good news. This is our hope, all right? And, and the second thing you need to understand, not only is he the source of creation, but he is the Son of God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us, unto us, God, the people, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The Son of God. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, talks about long ago and many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, in the days that you and I are living in, if you will, all right, He also is speaking through the one whom he created, who created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the Bible says, an exact imprint, if you will, an expression of God, an image of God, of his nature. He upholds the universe by his word and by his power. The truth is that Mary did have a little lamb, but he grew up and he was sacrificed for you and I so that we might have eternal life. He came to earth and he lived and he died that you and I might live again. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says, Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something that, that should be exploited or taken advantage of, but he emptied himself out and he actually took on the form of a slave or a servant, if you will. Being born in human likeness, being found in, in human form, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So we see a much different picture now in this second Adam than in the first. And this is very important. You need to understand that he was sinless. Sinless. Mark chapter 1, verse 13. He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, but he did not yield to that temptation. So what I want you to understand is he is tempted in every way like you. He, he has experienced the same temptations that you have experienced, but he overcame those temptations, and he is sinless. The corrupter, the, the evil one, the serpent, Satan, the one who corrupted Adam and Eve, and the, he is the opposer of every good work in every person who has ever lived. Satan attempted to corrupt the Son of God. He tried to tempt him, and, and, and he, he tried just as he tempted the first Adam, but the second Adam in the wilderness had quite different results. Praise the Lord. He overcame. You see, sin is in consenting or yielding to temptation, not in being tempted. And I want you to understand that because a lot of you get tempted and then you go through shame and, and guilt because you've been tempted. You feel bad because some temptation came to you. But that is not sin. The sin is when we yield to that temptation. Adam was tempted. Jesus was tempted. Adam yielded to the temptation. Jesus did not. And so we have a much better second Adam. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says that in all points he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we can't sit there and say, oh yeah, but he didn't get tempted like I did. He, he, he didn't have what I had come across his life. No. No, he has been tempted in all points just as all mankind has and he was able to overcome the temptation and live a sinless life. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of the one shall many be made righteous. This is what Jesus has done. 
He has given you the ability, the doorway to righteousness. And so then we see that the next thing I want, to, want you to understand about him is the second Adam is, is Jesus, is that, that he is the supplier of life to the whole human race, if you will, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. All who will accept him will receive eternal life. Through the first Adam, you were made a condemned sinner. Through the second Adam, you can be made a justified saint. That is the promise of God. Sin and death came, according to Genesis chapter 2, and were brought into this world by Adam's sin. But Romans tells us that holiness and life were brought into this world by Jesus Christ. He came to give you life and to give you that life abundantly all right so there are two atoms the first bringing death on mankind the second atom christ bringing life to those who receive him and spiritually speaking uh there are two types of people folks in this world that is those who are of the first atom and those who are of the second atom and you are one or the other of those all right so you either are under the penalty of death or you are one who has received eternal life through jesus Here's what I want you to understand about this whole dynamic and how it affects you. God, and I'm, I'm quoting someone here, but, but God, and I don't know who it is, so I, I'm thankful for the person that said it, but God formed you, all right? But sin deformed you. But the, the Bible informs you that the blood of Jesus can transform. This is the beauty of God here. This is the greatness of God. So, so we see the first Adam, we see the second Adam, and we understand that this first Adam had some imagery. He had some silhouette. God's intent was for him to be an eternal creature. He failed to sin, and so God then brought us the second Adam, which is the more perfect way, if you will, the better, the bigger, whatever, and and he has done it. Let me, let me give you a little summary here, and then I'm going to draw a couple of conclusions, and we'll, we'll be done here. But, but I, 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 the way we see how the Bible is all about Jesus is so important. And, and I want you to understand that, especially these things in the Old Testament, that we can start to, to pull them out, if you will. And, and, and in the Old Testament, we see Jesus through types. Where, where somebody does something that is a little bit like Jesus, if you will, as, as was Adam, all right? But then he, Jesus, comes along and does it in this bigger and better and more perfect way. So our focus isn't on the first Adam. Our focus isn't on the, the failure. Our focus isn't on sin. Our focus is on the second Adam or the last Adam, if you will. And I love using that term, last Adam, because that means... He is sufficient, and He has done the work and completed it, and we don't have to look for a third Adam or another situation or another way. We don't have to strategize or, or try to come up with some other innovative way here. Jesus is our answer. He is the second and last Adam, if you will. History 
starts with the first Adam. But Jesus is called here the last Adam. The first Adam sinned. The last Adam atoned for sin. And through the first Adam, we fall. But through the last Adam, we can be saved. And through the first Adam, there was condemnation. Through the last Adam, salvation. And through the first Adam, we inherit our sin nature. But through the last Adam, we receive a new nature. And through the first Adam, we're born sinners. But through the last Adam, we're born again as saints. The first Adam turned from God in a garden, but the last Adam turned to God in another garden. The first Adam was a sinner. The last Adam, a savior of sinners. The first Adam yielded to Satan. The last Adam defeated Satan. The first Adam sinned at a tree. The last Adam atoned for sin on a tree. The first Adam brought thorns. The last Adam wore a crown of thorns. First Adam was naked and unashamed. The last Adam was stripped naked and bore our shame. Everybody is born in Adam, but not everyone is born again in Jesus. And so my hope for you today is that you understand this message. That what the enemy tried to wreck, God has given you a new Adam to make a way. And the beauty here is not only is this Adam for you, it is for everyone. Any who will call on his name will be saved. So just as we said on Easter Sunday here, when we focused on this very thing, these are some of the things that we shared that day that I just read to you, but Jesus is the better and the greater Adam, if you will. So what is the conclusion that we draw here? My conclusion is this, is that we should have stayed in Eden, but Adam sinned. He made it impossible. But fortunately, the same God that banished Adam in his sin is the same God that sent his son, Jesus, to undo what Adam did. And the curse of Adam was was too painful. All, All of us are going to follow in Adam's footsteps and sin. And so, if we stay there, we have no hope, we have no chance, but God has provided a way for us to go to a place, to go back, if you will, into the tree of life once again. The first man, Adam, from 1 Corinthians says, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. He made a way. He made a way in. Christ was from representing all which is heavenly and pure. Where Adam failed, God, Christ pleased God. Christ entered this world and he has reversed the mistake of Adam, the sin of Adam. Adam's actions brought death. Christ's actions have brought salvation and life. We can go on and on. I don't want to get redundant here, but I want you to understand something here. This is... This is what God has done. Because I think there are lives out there that are wrecked. I think there's people in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. And, and, and they wanted to look good. They wanted to, to, to have newness about them. But their lives have been wrecked in some way. You know, throughout my life, I've known guys who love to restore cars, older cars oftentimes. 
not necessarily antique, but more often cars that were meaningful to them at some point in, in their life. And I'm always intrigued by their ability to do that and by the outcome, you know, because these guys just, they know how to do that. They know, they know how to take something that's just a wreck and bring, haul it in and do something amazing. And then it looks, you know, brand new, if you will. And um, I, I was reading one pastor, and he, he shares the story of his father. And he said that his father pulled an old 68 Cougar uh, home one day when he was a young man. Just a, a, a gnarly wreck of an old, you know, rusted out, bent up, bad, bad wreck Cougar. Now, the reason that, that kind of tripped my trigger is because I remember the Cougar of the 60s. And it was an awesome car. And um, we didn't have a lot of money as a family growing up. But my dad worked for a guy that quite wealthy. And one day, I remember my dad driving home to our house, and he drove up in uh, uh, a 60s Cougar. And the amazing thing about that was it was like spanking brand new. It just looks, it was a, it was a doll. And I remember my dad getting out and kind of rubbing his hand along the side of that Cougar. And then my, my mom came out the door about that time, and, and the two boys, we were just out in the yard, and we were just like, our, our mouths had dropped open. We were like, oh my. We thought my dad had bought it. We were, we were like rev. We were like, we have died and gone to heaven. This is it, you know. And, and he rubs his, his hands along the side of the car, and he looks at my mom, and he goes, sexy. We looked at each other and went, huh? Yeah, we were like, look at the car. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and the, the most amazing thing, though, was it was a convertible. And I had never ridden in a convertible. And my dad, he got to have this car for a day. His boss said, just take the car and just, just go home and you and your family take a drive and just go out and you ride around in, in the car. And, and my dad did this. And it was a fabulous moment for us. Okay? I still remember it very, very well. But this pastor said that his dad found this 68 Cougar and, and, and he brought it home. And he said it was twisted. Uh, it had been wrapped around a, a, a maple tree. And, um, and his dad had had one when he was 16. Uh, and he had wrecked his car as well. But he said his dad pulled this old rusted, old dirty, beat-up, wrecked car. And he said for months and months and months, he says, my father worked on that car. He painted it and he replaced parts and he fixed things. And he says he loved that car. And he restored that 68 Cougar to perfect condition. At 16, he wrecked a 68 Cougar. At 40, he restored the car to its rightful condition. Why am I saying this to you? Adam destroyed with sin humanity. Christ came and took that humanity and he restarted through his blood shed on the cross of Calvary. Through the power of the resurrection, you and I can have the restoration. And we are perfected in Christ, not in ourselves. The second Adam is the good news. That's the good news that you proclaim. And I hope that after today you're able to articulate that to those that God brings into your path. Ha, ha, ha.